Welcome to On Your Own Terms. I'm Patty Talbot, and this is the place where we learn together what it takes to change the world on our own terms and in our own special way. Today, I am honored to have with me Mia Pumo. I met Mia in one of the most extraordinary and special ways, a way that I just love to meet people, and that is when new friends introduced me to their friends. I went to a networking meeting with a local group where I'm a new member of Fem City, and it's another group of women, a little bit like Win Win Women, in that it's intended to help women who are in business to support one another. And I went to a local chapter meeting and I gave a speech there that I've been working on for quite some time called A Mighty Force, The Change-Making Power of the Feminine Collective. And I think, of course, it's a special and perfect message for women who need the support of other women and wish to support other women in their initiatives. So I met a new friend there who came up to me after my presentation and said, oh, you must meet Mia Pumo. It seems like to me you would have so much in common. And so on this friend's recommendation, I reached out to Mia and immediately knew that this friend, Getra, who had connected us, was exactly right. Mia and I have a lot in common because Mia's background is as a classroom teacher, and that's how I got my professional career started as well. And after many years in education, that Mia was looking for a new challenge and a way to expand her influence. And she found that in starting her own business that she will be telling you about today. I know you will be inspired by Mia's story and her commitment to education and her commitment to the well-being and growth of educators. Because after all, education is the foundation of all of life and every other career in the world. Welcome, Mia. I'm delighted that you're here, and I can't wait to hear about your homegrown solutions for this patchwork world. Mia Pumo. So I am from a small town in North Carolina, Thomasville, North Carolina, most famous for its big chair in the middle of the city. You've probably heard of Thomasville Furniture. So we have this giant chair that sits in the middle of town. And, you know, it's a small Southern town. And I will say that it was a great childhood. Growing up there, I have a lot of family there. We have a long history of people, actually hundreds of years being in that town. Um, So, and it was a really nice place to grow up. Being surrounded by family, but I'll also say that I was very sheltered from the world in an environment like that. Everybody kind of looked like me, everybody sounded like me, everybody believed like me. So not exposed to a lot of different perspectives in the world. And that kind of changed when I went to college. You know, going to a big university was very eye-opening for someone like me. And I think that started my journey of certainly personal growth and love of people and just curiosity, just extreme curiosity about the world around me. So I will say that the issues that are important to me focus around education 
after going to college, not knowing what to do and majoring in radio, television, and film, because it sounded fun. I did have a short career in television advertising, but I found my heart was in education. So I went back, got a master's degree in elementary education and started teaching and had a wonderful career in North Carolina as an elementary school teacher, instructional coach, and the issues in education just have a ton of meaning for me on many, many levels, because I actually got my first job in one of the most high needs, poverty impacted schools in North Carolina. At the time, I just wanted a job and teaching jobs, believe it or not, were kind of hard to come by, but it ended up being one of the best experiences of my life. The people that surrounded me were incredible. We're still friends today. It's you know, almost 30 years later. And then as I continued my career and continued my growth and thinking about what I wanted to do after being in the classroom, I really had this heart for educators, for teachers and making their lives just better, more joyful, making their environments at work a place where they could flourish because I truly believe that Happy teachers equal happy classrooms, and that's better for kids all the way around. So it's really important to me to take care of educators. And now that it also includes school and district leaders, I'm sure I'll get into that later, but that's kind of where my work has evolved. And there's so many things in our school system that need to be addressed. We hear it a lot, and especially since the pandemic, and especially with things that have been highlighted because of that, and now there seems to be this mass exodus of educators. This was already a problem. This was already a huge issue, and I believe it was already reaching a crisis level before the pandemic, but this has certainly made it a lot worse. And I believe there are things we can do to change that to improve that situation, to attract and retain wonderful people to the field of education. And we should. It's our biggest investment. It's it's our investment in our future as a country. This is where we should be putting our time, our resources, our ideas, our best people into this field that's so important because it shapes the lives of our future. So that, those are the things that are important to me, taking care of our educators. And I will say that when I was trying to decide what to do, should I stay in education? Should I leave the classroom? Should I go into administration? I wasn't really sure what my next step would be. And there was this little nagging voice that said, you're supposed to do something to help teachers. And at that time, I was like, what? What can I do? I'm one person. I'm one teacher. I don't have the power. I don't have the contacts. I just don't know what I'm supposed to do to make a difference on a bigger scale. But I couldn't ignore the voice. And I just kept working and doing what I was passionate about, following my path. That's how I got into coaching and education. And ultimately, yeah, it's worked out beyond my wildest dreams that I have been able to impact so many teachers and offer something that I feel like really makes a difference in the teaching environment 
in every classroom and schools and districts that really makes a difference in how teachers and educators feel about their workplaces. And like I said, I believe when there's more joy in the adults, it only brings benefits to the kids. I'll go back to my experience in college. Going to a very large university uh, was eye-opening for me and being exposed to all different types of people and learning so much about the world at that time. That to me was the greatest education, more so than you know what I learned in the classroom there. But that's when I really got curious about people. And then when I got into my first career in television advertising, I had to deal with all kinds of people and I had to learn how to connect with all kinds of people who did not look like me or did not sound like me or did not believe like me. And that was a real education and experience that I think has served me very well in all the other things I've done. And then when I got into teaching, as I mentioned, my first job at the very high needs, very poverty impacted school, we were 99% free and reduced lunch, 99% African-American. And I had an African-American, very strong female principal leader that I worked for that changed my life. And she's still a mentor and a friend. We do work together today. She was a keynote speaker at a conference I created. But that experience of being in a completely different environment that I grew up in helped me to learn and to grow as a person. And I think really set the stage for my ability to impact others in the future. I learned so much from those students. I taught first grade for five years at that school. I can still remember their names, the stories that they told me, the conversations that we had about race and diversity and our relationship and the fact that we were not exactly alike, but that we loved each other. Those were powerful conversations for me. I hope it was for them as well. And, and I think it was because I've had students reach out to me, you know, as adults and tell me what being in my class meant to them. And you can't ask for anything more when you're a teacher. So those early experiences that were not intentional, to be honest, on my part, it's just the environments that I ended up being in and, and working in were extremely beneficial in helping to open my eyes and to want me to learn more about other people, creating that desire to learn about other cultures and to connect with people and to open dialogue and to see what those other perspectives could do to broaden my perspective. And then since going through that experience, I would say as I got older, as I became more intentional about my career, what I wanted to do, I got into instructional coaching and then developing coaches, starting my own company to develop instructional coaches and then infuse coaching skills into leadership and education. I know how important it is to welcome and seek out those different perspectives. So I try to, with the people that I work with, with the people that I hire, I try to always 
be aware of, okay, what different perspectives are we bringing to the table? When I see other people doing great things, especially in education, because that's usually where I'm looking, but not always, I reach out to those people and I just say, you know, can I have a conversation? I'd love to get to know more about you and what you're doing. And it, it's just always a learning experience that brings value to what I do. One incidence where there was a parent and her daughter was in my class. She came to the school. She was upset because her daughter had told her that she wasn't getting called on enough in my class. And she came, we were in the principal's office and I'm a new teacher. And I'll be honest, I was scared to death. <laughs> I was like, am I in trouble? What am I doing wrong? I don't even know. So we're having this conversation in the principal's office and the principal listened to the story and, and basically the gist was she's not getting called on every time she raises her hand. And the principal said she can't get called on every time she raises her hand. She's a very smart child. She wants to answer every question, but Miss Pumo has lots of students in her classroom and she has to give everyone a chance to answer those questions. And she had a very direct conversation with that parent about what are your expectations at home? And, and this is an only child and she gets all the attention and that's just not going to be the case here. So what I'm trying to say is she completely defended me and supported me and had my back in that situation as her teacher. And in that moment, I just remember that was an aha moment for me, feeling like this is what leadership that makes you want to be better feels like. This is what a leader that has your back feels like. And it wasn't that she was dismissive to the parent. She listened and, and addressed the issue, but she certainly made me feel supported in that moment. And I realized, you know, you don't have to be exactly the same. You don't have to look exactly the same to be able to support one another personally and professionally. And that's always had an impact on me. I love the work I'm doing now. So as I mentioned, I co-founded a company, started my own business six years ago with the intent of training, supporting, developing, coaching, and education. So we develop instructional coaches. We have a certification program and we work with leaders on infusing their coaching skills. What I'm really excited about right now is I'm getting certified as a positive psychology practitioner and I'm adding that research to our work with educators. So the research behind human flourishing and how those interventions can be woven into school environments and school settings, how leaders can understand the research and analyze themselves and think about the people that work in their buildings and in their districts and how those are impacted by the environments, what's going well, building on those strengths, what are some things that need to be addressed and how can we address those? And we've gotten really positive feedback so far. And it also is very much in align with the social emotional learning focus that almost all schools and districts have right now as a result of the pandemic and 
school violence and other things that have gone on in our schools recently. So that work is, I, I believe it's really powerful and it's really meaningful to me. And I, again, I see it changing lives. I see it impacting people personally when they learn how to listen and they learn how to be better communicators. It helps them in their relationships. It helps them with their kids and with their significant others. And then of course, you know, talking with me about how we apply this to our work environments and it impacts things like teacher retention and achievement. You know, the things that we already measure in schools, attendance, achievement, discipline, it certainly has an impact on those things and can really make a big difference in moving schools and districts in a positive direction on all the things that matter. So that's what I'm doing now. That's how I'm reaching out, trying to make the world a better place. And yeah, I just want to keep doing that. I would say education at all levels. This certainly applies. People can reach out for information on ways that we might partner, work together, or just talk about some of these ideas if people need a thought partner. That email address is miapumo7 at gmail.com. So M-I-A-P-U-M-O, the number seven, at gmail.com. That would be the best way to reach me right now. This work and this idea of the science behind human flourishing in work environments doesn't just apply to schools and school divisions. If there are companies, families, businesses who feel like, you know what, we could really use some of that or I, I need to learn more about that, I've seen it and I know that it's really helpful in other environments as well. So. I am part of something called a Positive Education Consortium. So this is an international group. We are working with Marty Seligman, who is known as the father of positive psychology. And we are working to create opportunities, events, things that students can really get involved in and experience some of these positive psychology interventions for themselves to develop themselves, learn more about themselves, discover their strengths and build on those, as well as educators. And so the educators that we work with can also partner with us and again, learn more about this research, how they can incorporate some of this into their school environments. It's a really powerful group with some incredible people that work in all different facets of positive psychology and education coming together and saying, you know, what can we do together to make a difference and to really allow this new research to have a positive impact on education? If you read the book Flourish, it's one of the first books by Martin Seligman. And he talks about the research and, and the framework for human flourishing and how the United States Army really took hold of this and said, we want to use this research to help our military to be as mentally and emotionally strong as they are physically strong. And they've had some incredible results. And I think we can take some lessons learned 
and apply that to education and have incredible results and, and things we may never even have dreamed of. Thank you, Mia. I love what you are doing. And I know that your important work is helping educators and leaders in education to create the kind of environment where teachers can flourish. And when teachers flourish, surely they are ready to create the kind of environment where their students can likewise flourish. Education, and of course, my heart is particularly dedicated to public education because I think in the United States, it's certainly central to our well-being as a democracy. We learn through public education how to be our best selves and our best contributors. And when it's done right, we learn to understand one another better. We learn to work together better. And we learn to take care of ourselves and others. Thank you so much for being with us today. I hope our audience will keep in touch with you and follow your work by looking you up on LinkedIn and emailing you directly as you suggest, because I understand that you're in the process of rebranding your business and building a new website. I hope you'll also follow me at blueroadseducation.org and continue to be thinking about how to be the best change maker you can be through your beingness, through your doingness, through your connectedness with others, and in the way that you reflect outwardly what you believe in. So you can change the world on your own terms. You can find out more by looking at my ebook, Changemaker You, that breaks down the 16 characteristics or skills that all changemakers have in common. These skills can be taught and they can be learned. And I have resources for you to help you do both, teach them and learn them so that together we can cultivate more change makers for the world. I look forward to seeing you next week on your own terms. In the meantime, may you be grounded in your beingness, guided in your doingness, generous in your connectedness and inspired in your reflectiveness so you can change the world on your own terms. I'm Patty Talbot. I'm always learning, and I know you are too.